this is Nikki Glazer from New York City. You can hear construction in the back, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Cy Amundsen on dreams of becoming a country and western music star. See, my dad is incredibly musically talented, and my brother Greg is a country musician, actually, and he has an outrageous voice. He's fantastic, but I got nothing. We'll hear more from Cy in just a few minutes. Fangirl and I had a chance to meet Lights at her show here in Cincinnati this past week. We'll have a little review of that. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Republican presidential nominee Mitt Romney is telling top donors that President Obama won re-election because of the gifts he had already provided to blacks, Hispanics, and young voters, and because of the president's effort to paint Romney as anti-immigrant. Of course, that's the way he comes from the factory, so... CIA director and former commander of the Internal Security Assistance Force in Afghanistan, David Petraeus, resigned last Friday, citing an extramarital affair with a woman authorities identified as his biographer, Paula Broadwell. You'll recall former GE chief Crazy Jack Welch also had an affair with his biographer, and that President Bill Clinton wrote his own biography at the behest of his wife. It's settled. Pot, at least certain amounts of it, will soon be legal under state laws in Washington and Colorado. Now officials in both states are trying to figure out how to keep stone drivers off the road. Colorado's measure doesn't make any changes to the state's driving under the influence laws, leaving lawmakers and police to worry about its effects on road safety. We're going to have more impaired drivers, warned John Jackson, police chief in the Denver suburb of Greenwood Village. They plan to set up checkpoints in the parking lots of 7-Elevens and Circle K convenience stores. China's Magnificent Seven, the fifth and latest generation of Communist Party leaders to helm the world's most populous nation, strode into the limelight Thursday morning to end a week of public ceremony in Beijing and many months of backroom bargaining. Karl Rove urges caution in accepting the team as China's new leaders. BP will plead guilty to dozens of felony charges stemming from the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico and agreed to pay $4.5 billion in government penalties, the oil company said Thursday. Of the penalties, $4 billion will resolve criminal charges and an additional $525 million will be paid to resolve claims brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Another $500 million will be used to find better PR people. Apparently what happens in Vegas stays there until your lawyer finds out about it. Such is the lesson comedian Jeanine Garofalo and writer-producer Rob Cohen reportedly learned when they discovered they had been married for the past 20 years and didn't even know it. The pair got married, for real, and had to have a notary dissolve it just last week. So the biggest threat to the sanctity of marriage then isn't gays or divorce, but drive throughs Hmm. U.S. soccer star Hope Solo reportedly married former Seattle Seahawks tight end Jeremy Stevens hours after he was arrested for allegedly assaulting her. According to the police report, officers broke up a fight at a party early Monday and found Solo with blood on her elbow and Stevens with blood on his shirt. It's not clear if Solo was involved in the incident, but police say there were signs of a fight in the house. The marriage was allowed to proceed after Solo was issued a yellow card and Stevens was assessed a 15-yard penalty and automatic loss of down. That doesn't even really make sense to me, but... Hostess Brands, Inc., which makes Twinkies, Ding Dongs, Wonder Bread, and other snack foods, filed a motion Friday with U.S. bankruptcy court seeking permission to shutter its operations. The move comes after the company said a striking workforce across the country crippled its ability to maintain production. Conservatives quickly... 
Conservatives quickly blamed the union, liberals blamed the company's mismanagement, consumers mourned the passing of the Twinkie, and the lazy media failed to report that someone else will likely just buy the iconic brands and continue making the snack cakes. And that's been Fake News with me. Okay, so I'm here with Fangirl. Say hi, Fangirl. Hi, Fangirl. Um, yeah, very nice. Oh, uh, we, I had know. A, <laughs> we had a chance to see a uh, friend of the podcast, Lights, this week. And uh, Fangirl starting a new blog, which we'll have the link to probably next week. You can have it up this week, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, we'll have a link to that uh, on the Facebook page, and we'll also tweet it out. But um, Fangirl got to ask Lights three questions because we weren't sure if we were going to have Lights uh, to ourselves, which it turns out we did. Um, it wasn't a fan meet and greet. We just t- chatted with Lights for a few minutes. But. Uh, Hannah got to ask her three questions, and we'll play those in a second. Uh, what was uh, your impressions of meeting Lights? Lights was pretty much like looking at myself. She was so bouncy and so blood everything and just so excited. Something happened. She's like, oh, that's great. Oh, I'd love that. That's, that's pretty much Lights' attitude. And good show? It was a very good show. She's really good live. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, she's all electronic and stuff, so she wouldn't be good live, but she's like perfect live. And uh, all the songs uh, that... that- are sung kind of wispily on the uh, on the album. She sang like she's really hitting the high notes on them. She wispily. you know yeah. Well, they're they're sung a little softer. So uh, if you have a chance to see lights live, go see her live. And uh, we're gonna play a few minutes of uh, we're gonna play the whole actually interview with lights. It's just I, I apologize for the quality. It's on my handheld digital recorder. But if you listen closely at the beginning, lights apparently enjoyed being on the podcast, which I which I can't believe. So uh, here's the interview uh, with lights, and then we'll move on to our interview with Cy Amundsen. <laughs> I made it in the car. It's not bad. I can learn from, man. Most yeah. casual, most casual interview right here. Yay! <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. I don't know how to use that. <laughs> okay. So, question one: What song that you wrote that you think is the most meaningful to you? It's a good question. <laughs> Although the ones that do make it to the record are the ones that are the most meaningful because you write so many and then you kind of pare it down to the ones that really deserve to be on the record. That being said, on the most recent record. Cactus in the Valley was a very earnest, heartfelt one. It came in, I really needed it, so. Okay. Question two. What's the guilty pleasure band or singer that you like to listen to? Um, Tattoo and Linkin Park. <laughs> Linkin Park. I feel like everyone wants your Linkin Park. Yeah. Like. The Russian Girls Tattoo? Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, they're so great. Have you ever heard them? I feel like they did at one point. Cause I you think know. I Russian Cool Girls. Yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> I feel like I looked them up and then got them something else. I don't know. Um, what's the coolest or funniest or best thing that's happened so far on the tour? One of the scariest was being bitten by like, a poison spider in San Diego on my shoulder and my whole arm was in pain for a day. And I thought I was going to die. We had to call poison control. I had big pills on my shoulder for about three days. It was crazy. Yeah. I didn't know how much time I'd have, so that's all the ones that I have. Oh, great. Very concise and fast. So you're setting a blog? Yes, I am. Awesome. I'm excited about it. That's a great name for it, too. Well, the name is... And there's uh, Lights talking to Fangirl. Look for Fangirl's new blog coming soon. Of course, we will have links to that uh, as soon as they become available. And, uh, boy, two of the happiest people I've ever met in my life talking to each other there. Uh, it was, that was very nice. All right. Well, uh, we're going to be moving on now to our interview with Cy Amundsen.
Cy Amundsen is a comedian from Minnesota, and of course, as you know, I interview comedians uh, when they come to Cincinnati and Minnesota, as well as some other cities, and uh, I interviewed Cy, uh, not necessarily to be on the podcast, but we had such a great conversation uh, that I decided we had to have it on the podcast. Probably one of the best conversations I've had with a comedian uh, in a long, long time. No offense to people that have been on the show, but it was just fun to talk about music and uh, and comedy and uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, here's our interview with Cy Amundsen. Hello, Cy. Yes. P.F. Wilson from Cincinnati City Beat. Hey, how you doing? Sorry about uh, my ringback tone. It's on there strictly to upset certain comedian friends of mine. Uh-huh. I, was dig- <laughs> I was digging the jams, man. I'm like, I actually do like country music, but uh, that one's on there specifically to uh, affect a few of my music snob comic friends. Uh, see, as they say in Blues Brothers, uh, we like both kinds, country and western. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a good part of the country for stuff like that, for yeah. sure. Well, with me, I just like Dwight Yoakam, and then I'm pretty much done with everybody. But, uh, are you are a big Dwight Yoakam fan? I, I like Dwight Yoakam Dwight a lot. Yoakam Love Dwight Yoakam. Uh, I don't like a lot of new country. Oh, and by the way, this is okay that you're doing this for the podcast, right? Because some people have been confused in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, what were we talking about? Dwight Yoakam. Oh, and... Um, Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, and... Uh, I, it, I I hate like the the newer stuff though. It's all kind of that same. It's it's very poppy and watered down. But I mean, it's one of those things where you have to do a little bit of the research and you'll find the good guys, which is a little pain in the ass. But oh like, yeah. yeah, have you heard Dwight Yoakam's new album? No, I haven't. I know it just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh my! It's called Three Pairs, and Beck uh, produced a couple songs on oh, there. Okay. And had an influence on the whole the album as a whole. And That'd it be interesting. Freaking great! I don't it like Beck independent of that, but I, I could see where that would be very cool working with Dwight Yoakam. Um, I guess it's like rock music though. The rock music my I listen to and my wife and my daughters listen to. It's out of the mainstream, so it's probably the same with country. If you get if you go off the beaten path, you probably find some cool stuff that's more like you know to the tradition of the old guys like George Jones and. Buck Owens and all those guys I can listen to, certainly. But yeah, yeah it's just I, this. I think I think people recognize that, you know, country, you know, like a lot of, you know, certain other forms of music was was there at the heart of the music movement in this country, you yeah. know. And uh, and it's that the basics of it that somebody like a dude like Beck would want to be involved in and you know, Dwight Yoakam, he's he's the whole Bakersfield thing. Oh sure, know, the whole Western Buck Owens. Uh, yeah, Buck Owens, the new age Buck Owens stuff. Uh, I can see why it would work, and it, it is a fantastic album. Here's some trivia for you. My uncle, when he was in the Air Force, no, he's my dad was in the Air Force. My uncle was in the Army in Germany. He was in a band with Buck Owens, and the, the two twins, really? the two twins from uh, from the Hee Haw. I can't remember what their names were. The two. Holy crap! Yeah, and uh, my dad always used to say, "Why do you look them up and ask them to do some session?" Oh no, I can't do that. That would be that wouldn't be right. So he never never pursued it, but yeah, he played. My uncle played drums for years and years in a rock and roll combo in Youngstown, Ohio, but never, you know, never tapped the. That's amazing. I mean, Buck Owens is one of the monsters of country music. I know. Music. Now, as, as Jimmy Pardo would say, this may or may not be accurate, and I'll have to check with my dad. But I'm pretty sure that was the that was the story I was told years and years ago. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, but um, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, so are you a big fan of country music, or do you like rock too, or what? Uh... Um, I mean, I, I like to think that I, I have a pretty wide view on a numbers of different types of music, but okay. I mean, I, 
I was raised in a small town in, in Minnesota, and I, uh-huh. I kind of grew up on country. So I'm a I'm a pretty big country music fan. But I'm just like you said, um, I'm uh, I, it has to be the right type. Right. I'm a big fan of Americana, like uh, more a little old school, more like like the early REM, Guadalcanal Diary, Connells, people like that. That Rita. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like those kind of bands uh, a lot, and they have that big country um, influence. Yeah, I'm a big I, rockabilly is a is a thing that you know. There's that fine line between the things that Johnny Cash was doing and the things yeah. that you know Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and guys like that were doing. It was back then. There was such a fine line, and so I kind of I can dig. I'm completely blanking on his name, but there's a guy who's doing rockabilly style music today, and he's unbelievable but I just I'm, his name is completely escaping my brain right now hmm. that doesn't ring JD it's JD something JD oh I just uh, I saw that come up like in, in Spotify or as a suggestion somewhere I know what you're talking about because I was thinking that's an unusual yeah. uh, a, a guy with initials of course I can't come up with his last name but he's amazing he's got a little bit of a chubby checker to him. He's a white guy with a slicked back hair. He's yeah. like, he can't be more than five feet tall. <laughs> but yeah, he's got a little chubby checker to him and his, and his voice, he's awesome. Yeah, and now, um, have you seen, I don't know if, if they released it as a CD or a DVD or what, but that session, that famous session where uh, Carl Perkins, Elvis, Johnny Cash. I own it, own it. The Million Dollar Quartet. The Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah. How, how cool is that? It's, it's amazing. I've actually listened to the whole thing through and through and uh, it's, it's really, it's weird because there's so much talking and it, it, it's fascinating. Have you, have you ever seen uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox movie? No. Um, it's great. It's an appetite flick. It, it's a parody movie of all the music movies, but it's, oh, it's okay. really funny. Uh, but in it, Jack White plays Elvis. Oh, wow. And he does this Elvis impression where he's really very slow in his world. Come on, man. I'm a king. Yeah, come on. Like, like that. And everybody, I think, was like, well, that's the worst Elvis impression ever. But Jack White is a huge Elvis fan, and that's yeah. the way when he wasn't in front of the camera that Elvis actually talked. So on the Million Dollar Quartet recording, you can hear Elvis talking like that, and it's amazing. And he also, it's just, you can hear all the yes men around him. Because <laughs> he was telling a story about uh, a band in Vegas, uh, and it, it's not Jackie Wilson, but it's another... Another dude of that era yeah, who yeah. was playing in Vegas became like a big star, and um, he was. They were covering uh, one of Elvis's songs, and Elvis was doing an impression of him going, "Oh, that boy!" He'd be like, "Well, you know I can be found," and everybody <laughs> laughed. And wow. so, since everybody like you know was such a suck up to him, yes, but he kept going back to the well with that same joke throughout <laughs> the recording. <laughs> Oh, cool! It's, but it's it, it's fascinating to listen to those guys talk. Actually, somewhere I have the picture of all of them framed, huddled around up. Yeah, yeah. That's a. Uh, I think it's on the Wikipedia page for the Million Dollar Sessions too. Um, yeah, it's it's really really cool. I'm a, I'm a huge Sun Country fan. So. Oh yeah, I got a uh, got my got my Sun the Country Sun T-shirt. Sun yeah. Country. I've been flying too much. Sun Country. <laughs> Sun Country used to be a um uh one of those wine cooler drinks back in the uh, back in the 80s. People would dress up like <laughs> bears and take off. And then there was that famous Cure video. Um, Why Can I Be You, where uh, Robert Smith is in a bear costume, and people thought, was this like a, uh, a dis- discarded Sun Country commercial he did? And yeah. That was the big gag back in the 80s for this old folks. Um, <laughs> so being a big music fan, did you ever consider going into music instead of comedy? Did you have any kind of interest in that? 
See, my dad is incredibly musically talented, and my brother Greg is a country musician, actually. Oh, wow. And is, has an outrageous voice. He's, he's, he's fantastic, but I got nothing. Like, <laughs> I got... I, I would have I would have loved to be in that world, but I got my mom's side, and she shouldn't sing in church, man. She oh, wow. she is she's bad. But yeah, I, I I love it. I follow it. But both my brothers are musically talented, and my dad is, and I there's not much there for me. I think it might have skipped <laughs> a generation. Funny, a lot of times, you know, a lot of comics they want to be musicians, and a lot of musicians want to be comics. yeah. That's it's kind of that funny. Yep, grass greener on the other side thing. Yeah, I think it skipped a generation of my family because, like I said, my uncle's musically talented. My dad was never really a, a music person, either listening or playing. And then um, yeah. me, I fancied myself a musician, but I was I was rubbish. If you listen to the this podcast when it's done, the music you hear at the beginning and the end and the fillers, uh, a band I was in, but they wouldn't let me play anything. So <laughs> even the one <laughs> keyboard line that they let me program into the sequencer, they went back through. I told the story before on the podcast, so I'm not boring anybody. But I played the line into the keyboards, and then they went back and ran it through the sequencer, and then they looked at each other, the producer and my partner, and he, they said, uh, we might have to do this again. <laughs> like, the computer couldn't even fix how poorly I played. <laughs> so I had these bouts of singing in the band, and that was it. I mean, I, was, I could write. I was very happy with the songs I wrote, and still am. But I'm, yeah. I'm a rubbish musician. I can't even keep time. And now my daughters both seem to be very talented uh, musicians, so hopefully, you know, it has a generation, and it'll, it'll move on, so... Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think there's, that's the funny thing. I think if you can write creatively, it's just about learning format, you know? Yeah. Like if, if you're a good, if you have a good creative writing ability, it's just about learning the format and whether it be songs, whether it be, I mean, jokes are different because there has to be humor there, but whether it be short stories, like a good creative writer, I think, can slide into numerous categories. That's true. Yeah, that, that's a good Good point. Maybe so, I'm wrong about that. I've just always thought that. No, I think no, because I think there you, you have a lot of people. I was I was interested in, in in artists when they take on other art forms, like you know singers who paint and painters who inspire singers and songwriters and things like that. Kind of that whole uh, motif yeah. has always been kind of interesting. And yeah, I think it, you, you kind of appre uh, you appreciate the artistic uh, the artistic uh, I guess some um, process, but even though you can't. I quite... think it's so funny. I think it's so funny when people. Sh on uh, actors who become musicians, like because they are generally terrible. But like, yeah. take Kevin Costner for example. Because like, I, I actually love Kevin Costner; he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, but so he's he's got his his band, you know, whatever they are, the Mountain Men or who knows what the hell they're called. But uh, I've I've seen like a thing on them and watched them play and listen, and they're not anything great. Yeah. But still, you have to step back and be like, well, they're. For just music, he's pretty good at yeah. like, for being the most talented actor in the world and being decent at music is amazing. Right. It's an amazing thing. It's like when Jordan played baseball. It's like, you know, he was, you know, of course, an astonishing basketball player. Not a bad baseball player. I mean, he could still do it and he could, you know. Yeah. He just doesn't live up to the other side of things. Right, exactly. It's, yeah. It's funny. A musician coming into the acting world never gets so. Yeah. Probably just means acting easier right i don't know yeah well people it, it's weird how some people uh gravitate toward that acting thing a lot of people like the boredom and other people like that would just drive me crazy and a lot of comics i talk to that act you get a, a whole all the way up and down the spectrum you know some of them are really into the fact they can write and do stuff and just sit in the trailer all day and then others are just like i gotta be doing something see i uh i'm just I, last year was my first pilot season and uh i kind of like even though it's, I haven't gotten anything yet, 
after being on the road for a number of years where you're constantly gone, being home or being, you know, at a home location and focused and a little more stable in your schedule is kind of, there's some instability, but you're in the same town. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense at all. I, I like, I like that. I like being here and, and focusing on the things that are here and not, being in four different cities in a month. I like, you know, that being dialed back a little bit. It's kind of been a nice change after running around the country for a while. So do you have any other things that, apart from doing pilot season, any other kind of, like, vehicles for your comedy that you're pursuing? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I moved out here with the intention of, you know, uh, entering the acting world, and, I, you know, I'm fortunate that I have really wonderful people shaping my career in the in the management and agency world. I, I got pretty lucky with those guys. And I'm doing that, and we're working on a, a host of our own projects, my writing partner and I, uh, in terms of we, you know, we've had a couple pilots we've written and, and going through the process with that. And we, we have a short film that uh, we're working on right now. Just It's one of those things that you just have to get used to the fact that you're always moving forward, even though you don't always feel like you are. Yeah. <laughs> that makes any sense. Oh yeah, totally. It's such a, it's such a world. There's more failure in this world than there is in any other profession. And that's a, that's a when you come from a small town where people get their jobs and they work their jobs. It's it's such a foreign, it's such a foreign concept where you're like, what? I gotta fail 300 times before I get something. Like and it's it's weird, but it's I think that's also you know the the reward being so great is the reason the the failure rate is so high. If that so was comedy something? Yeah, was some, comedy something you always wanted to go into, or was it your friends say you're really funny, you should you should be on a stage? Uh, no, actually, I mean I remember I was obsessed with television from as early as I can remember. You know, my dad. I used to sit up late at night with my dad and my older brother Jeff and whoever it was watching, you know, Cheers and and uh, and then uh, we'd watch Letterman back when he was on NBC back when he used to wear oh, tennis shoes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then uh, we weren't allowed to watch MTV in my house. So as a young kid, I was hmm. obsessed with Dick Van Dyke and I Love Lucy and Mary Tyler Moore and Green Acres stuff like that. And and uh, you know, I always like even as a little kid, I was like, I want to be on one of these shows. And then. The thing that really notched it up was uh, Saturday Night Live. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, anyone my age who came up with Farley and Spade and Sandler. Okay, that generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like this, this wonderful. Like it just drove you. Like it drove me to want to have that sort of thing. And then I mean, it didn't cultivate until I, I moved to Minneapolis, and uh, I had an interest in stand-up, but I wasn't overly familiar with the world. And my brother-in-law, John, uh, urged me into a, uh, the comedy contest, Funniest Person in the Twin Cities at Acme, uh, the big club in Minneapolis. Yes. And I got on stage and kind of fell in love with the immediacy of it. I mean, that's, that's the one cool thing about, not the one cool thing, but it's maybe the coolest thing about stand-up is you can formulate this idea and then you get your immediate response to what, you I mean, you don't have to wait for four weeks. You take it up there and it's either funny or it's not. Yeah. And I, that was such a fun thing. I, I, I got hooked in and got lucky. Acme liked me and, and uh, hired me as a working comic there eventually. And 
I just kind of, that's where it all took off from, and it, it just it just snowballed from there, if you will. Any uh, thoughts of an alternate career when you were growing up, what you were thinking of maybe doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I come from a family of, you know, a lot of teachers and farmers, and uh, I, I went to school for, I have a degree in kinesiology. Uh, with a, I started out in to be a teacher, and then uh, switched over to kinesiology with a specialization in public park and recreation. What's kinesiology? Uh, kinesiology, in layman's term, is the study of the body and how it relates to the world around it in terms of, oh, wow. you know, recreation, exercise, health, stuff like that. It's 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 an incredibly broad category. It's, Sports management falls under it. So I got my degree in that, and I actually I coached basketball, uh, and that was kind of the uh, I, I love basketball. Played it and, and got it. I was a coach at a high school in Orono, Minnesota, and did some high level AAU stuff. And had comedy not become a thing, that's where life would be. I I loved basketball. So you took a chance to play or anything like any. I know some uh, um, yeah, Ian Bagan yeah, yeah. was in a hockey play league out here, which is pretty great. Cool. Uh, a couple games a week, but I was. Uh, it's not, it's not quite like it was when I was back home in Minneapolis where I knew everybody and I knew where all the games were. And Do you see like your coaching skills kind of coming in handy in the comedy world as far as being able to kind of maybe observe others and kind of, you know, see what you could either incorporate into your stand-up or see what they're, you know, what, what they could improve on? Yeah, that's a funny way to put it. I think you're right. I, I think it's more the sports thing also, just kind of as a whole. I, I think there is an – I like pressure a lot. And I don't think that that's necessarily a common trait. So if I have a big showcase, or I'll, I'll get nerves, but I kind of enjoy them. I kind of I like that this is a really important show. You need to do well so something good happens. Or this audition is an important one. We need you to have a good. You know, I I, I enjoy that environment, and I think that's a product of sports more so. I think you know, I had this coach, Mike Blansky, said one of the most poignant things about coaching. He, he kind of encouraged me to have my own opinion because we, you know, you come in out of halftime and all the coaches get together and discuss what's going on and how to fix it, you know? Right. And his big thing was he encouraged people to, for lack of a better term, if they were true about it, to disagree with him because, you know, it gives a different perspective. And he always said, if you, if you don't disagree with what another coach is doing, you're not a good coach. Oh, wow. He goes, yeah, I mean, and you can. There's always room to agree. Yeah. But he goes, if you don't, if you, if you're not at least questioning something, that means you don't have your own brain. You don't stand on your own. And I, I think that's poignant in a, in a lot of different walks of life. And I, I think you know when you watch stand up and you watch somebody else do their material and you think about the things that they do well and you, you can take something from everyone, but you're also able to look at it and be like, well, I would have done that yeah. this way. You know, I, I think it's just a, a fun way to analyze stuff, and I, that that was also a, you know, a sports thing I took. And I, I'm a big believer in no matter how talented or terrible someone is, you can learn something from everyone. Yes, definitely. Yes, I think I have a good time here when you're here. I really do. Hey, I really, really appreciate it, dude. Cool, man. A great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I, uh, thank you very much. All right, Cy. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye.
Thanks again to Cy Amundsen for being on the show. You can find all things Cy at CyComedy.com. And, of course, Cy is C-Y. We'll have links on the Podbean page, as always. Okay, and uh, I did a little fact check on the uh, story I was telling Cy about my uncle in Germany. It turns out my uncle was not in a band with Buck Owens, but close. What happened is Buck Owens came over to Germany with a lot of the Hee Haw stars. They played on the base where my uncle was stationed, and my uncle's band opened up for Buck Owens' band. And then, and here's the here's the cool part. Uh, Buck Owens drummer took ill and my uncle had to fill in uh, on that bass and on a couple of other bases around Germany that uh, the Buck Owens band went to. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, you can catch Cy in Minneapolis at the Acme uh, one night only. It's just a one-off thing just because he's you know, in his hometown, presumably, I guess, for the Thanksgiving holiday. That is Tuesday, November 20th at 8 o'clock. And again, we'll have links on the Podbean page. pfradio.podbean.com. Let me see. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at pf66. PF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Koble. Find him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter. Tiger and Dactyl, just how it sounds. Music for PF tape recorder was written and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Um, oh, and thanks to Lights for uh, doing the uh, exclusive meet and greet with us. We thought we were going to be part of a, a crew with a bunch of other people, and turns out that was not the case, and uh, she's just the sweetest person ever and was uh, nice helping Hannah get her blog off the ground, and we'll have links uh, to Fangirl's blog as well. And I guess that is it for this week's show. Have a good Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving holiday and holiday weekend and all that. So long, and thanks for listening.